0: Well, we're getting ready to start a series, and so are you ready to get started? Now yes. yeah, we're, we're calling this series, So Be It. Many of you may not know this, but the word amen simply means so be it. In other words, you know, this is what we're praying for, this is what we're going to have. And so um, with that, um, we uh, are going to take different prayers in the, in the scripture And just kind of look at them and say what they tell us about prayer. Now, along with that, in order to help you study throughout the week, we have devotionals that we provide for you. You can either go to YouVersion, events, and then look up Cedar Point Church, and those devotions will be on there Monday through Friday. Or as you leave, we also have it on a hard copy. You can grab that, and it just kind of keeps going with what we're talking about on a Sunday. And today, we want to talk about a prayer that Jesus prayed just before he went to the cross, had to be a very significant thing, right? It had to be something that was really connected to him. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, know this, that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament starts with Genesis, and the New Testament starts with what book? Matthew. And so you say, well, why is there an Old Testament and a New Testament? Well, in its simplest explanation, The Old Testament is before the birth of Jesus, and the New Testament is from the birth of Jesus on. Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew, imagine that, he was an eyewitness of Jesus. He was a follower, one of the 12 disciples. And so this is an eyewitness account of a guy named Matthew who had his story drastically changed when he encountered Jesus. And so he writes this account of Jesus Birth and, and which he did, you know had been shared with him by Mary, and then the ministry of which he was vis- visually a part of, and so Jesus uh, in Matthew 26, starting at verse 36, he had just finished the Last Supper with his disciples. He was sharing with them what was getting ready to happen, trying to remind them again of why he came, and they still didn't fully understand that. And so he was getting ready. He knew that within a few hours he was going to be arrested. He was going to be put on trial. He was going to die from a public execution, one of the most horrific ways to die, through crucifixion. And he's going to have to trust his body into the hands of the Father and declared he would be raised from the dead. So we're going to pick up as he gets ready to enter into this. In verse 36, it says this, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished. Everybody say anguished. Anguished. And distressed. Say distressed. Isn't it wild, man? You know, if I were to ask you to describe Jesus in his ministry, probably none of us, myself included, would describe him as a person that was anguished at one time or distressed. And yet here he is, the son of God, God in the flesh, and the description that's given about him right now in this passage that he was anguished and distressed. It goes on to say, here it says, he was anguished and distressed, it says, he told them my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. I mean, all of these, just in my mind to imagine, Jesus, you went through this, you were anguished and distressed that your soul was crushed to the point of death. What incredible thing I mean what what a hard place that must be and he said stay here and keep watch with me he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground praying my father if it's possible that this cup of suffering be taken away from me you ever prayed that before you know, wild to think that Jesus, you know, you think about all the times that we go through hard places and hard seasons, and, and I wrote down some reasons why we go through hard places, you know, you know and, and first of all, to know this, none of us are exempt from it. In other words, no matter how strong of a Christian you may think you are, you're still going to go through hard places. You know, we all, we all have different stories. You know, my story, I was raised in church, and your story may be, this is your first Sunday ever in a church, and that's okay, man, they're all beautiful in their own ways, they encounter the grace of God. But... You know, that if you're just kind of a new follower of Jesus, I want you to know this, that, that that doesn't exempt you from going through challenging times. It doesn't exempt you from going through hard times or difficult times. And so right here we, we have this, in, and it says that he, when he prayed, his prayer was, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. I think the wild thing about it is we don't hardly ever talk about this, but really Jesus was driven to prayer because of what the Father was asking him to do. Has God ever asked you to do something that's really difficult? Has he ever asked you to walk away from something? Or to lean into something? That to walk away from something that maybe you love or you like or, or lean into something that's very difficult already? Or maybe he's ever confronted you about an attitude that you didn't even know you had, but you just kind of grown up with it? It's kind of been who you are this whole time. And all of a sudden, God's beginning to reveal things to you that he wants to change in you, and it's going to require something drastic or something for you to begin to just not be okay with. In other words, uh, I've got to work on this. This has to be different in my world and different in my life. And while sometimes we're beginning to feel like a challenge because God's asking us to do a difficult thing I, I know of times that he's asked people that they were at a job in a place that was really good and God's like I, I need you to let go of that and go here it's like man Lord this is just perfect and maybe you fought your way to get there it's perfect why now and yet he has something I, I know in other people that they've been at a place maybe they've been at a job that's really really challenging really really difficult and they're, they're just screaming like I just want to leave here and he's like not yet not yet. And so here Jesus is. He's in the will of the Father doing exactly what the Father wants him to do. And he has an idea of what's ahead of him. And he's like, is there another way? Is there another way we can do this? But then he closes it with this after he says it. He said, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So, you know, we go through hardship. Sometimes it's just life. Like, you know, my parents, they they passed away in their later years. And that's kind of the rhythm of life that we're used to. And even though it was the normal rhythm of life, it was still painful. In other words, it wasn't like God did this to me or I couldn't even blame it on the devil. It's just just part of life. And and then there are other times we go through hard places because of my own choices. Sometimes I've done really dumb things and it's created a lot of pain in my life. Am I the only one? Has anybody else in here ever done that? Where you've done just some dumb things, about half of you, well, then, you know, God, forgive these other people for lying because they've done dumb things too. So, so anyway, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, 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 you know I've done, done dumb things in my life and it's created pain. And then there's other times where um, maybe somebody attached to my life is doing dumb things. And I'm not supposed to do anything dumb, but they're connected with me and I love them. And so I experience some of the pain of their choices. Those are the I told you so moments, but you weren't listening. And so so we have those moments in our life. And then we have these other issues. Sometimes it's the devil. Sometimes he's attacking us and just creating circumstances and situations, lying about us to other people and that type of thing. But then there's just something. Here's the wild thing we never talk about, and that is sometimes when God is asking us to do hard things. Asking us to stay when we don't want to. Asking us to go when we don't want to. Asking us to forgive when we don't feel like the other person has suffered enough or we don't feel like it's safe to forgive them. It's just amazing the things that God deals with us. But, but here's the thing Jesus taught, taught, taught us in this prayer, showed us, number one is this, is to pray when God is asking us to do hard things. I think it's wild. He did not go to the garden by himself. He even took people with him. You know, our, our tendency is when we're going through a hard place to kind of isolate ourselves, like you know, not want anything to do with anybody. But we weren't created to do this alone. We were created to do this alone. We were called to do this together. That this community that's centered in all of our differences, that the one thing that connects us is the realization of our need for Jesus. That connects us and we have that in common. That no matter, you know, what music you like or I like, what, what, no matter, you know, what our style is or, you know, how, you know, the things that matter to us, you know, in other areas, the one thing it connects connects is we realize that we all have places in our life where sin has taken its toll on us and the only remedy for that is Jesus and that unites us in this community. And so to understand this, that, that God asks us to do some difficult things sometimes and when he does, you know, he, he doesn't want us to go through it alone, Jesus took the disciples and eventually even separated all of the disciples with these three: Peter, James, and John. And he said, "Sit here and watch with me." They were just kind of like, "Man, help me, support me, pray for me." And then he began to pray, "Father, this cup of suffering that's before me, man, is there another way? Is there another way? But I'll do what you want." That's like the difference because I know times in my life I prayed, "God, I know what you want me to do. Is there another way?" And there have been times when I knew that he said, no, this is the only way that you're going to recognize what I have for you. That I said, yes, I'm going to be real transparent with you. been other times where in my disobedience, I've went ahead and done what I wanted to do and realized later on why he wanted me to do it this way. But number one is this, is that this prayer shows us to pray when God is asking us to do hard things. So he said, "He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he goes on to say, it says, then he returned to the disciples and found them in passionate prayer for him, lifting him up, fighting in prayer for him. Oh no, that's not what it says. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. (laughs) You know, he's done everything right, but his friends, man, they just... You know, some, have you ever had sometimes a situation where you look at somebody and go, Man, with friends like you, I don't need a devil. You know what I mean? Have you ever felt that way before? And so here they are, and you know, and in their immaturity and their brokenness or whatever, they're asleep. And he said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? So he wakes him up, Hey, dude, could you watch me? And so Peter wakes up and he says this to him He says, Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation. So not just to help me, but Peter, you know, you keep praying so that you'll help me. So he said, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time. Everybody say second time. time. So he prayed the first time. Father, if there's any other way, let it be done. I wonder what a second prayer is going to be. I mean, he's already prayed that prayer. So I wonder what the next one's going to be like. Hey, we're going forward here, God. Father, I'm, I'm following you. Let's see what a second prayer is. And his second prayer is this. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. That sounds almost exactly like the first prayer. You mean sometimes going through hard places that we have to keep talking to God about it? We have to keep presenting it to him? We have to keep going back to him in prayer? And so he said this, your will be done. He says, when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. What a great bunch of friends. Anyway... But he prays here a second time. It's the exact same prayer. And I think we lose sight of this sometimes to understand this that surrender and consecration, that's what this is about, is surrendering areas of my life to God. You know, there's some areas of my life that he has control of, right? You probably are the same way. But there's other areas that, for whatever reason, I try to hang on to, I've tried to wrestle away from him. And so, in those areas right there to recognize that and to understand that, that whenever we surrender, it, usually it begins with conviction, where the Father speaks to me, the Lord deals with me. There's things he wants me to do, things he doesn't want me to do, and sometimes I just have a knowing. Sometimes I'm getting ready to make a step in a certain direction, and it's not like I hear an audible voice, but it's just kind of like on the inside of me, I kind of get this, uh-uh, don't do that. And those times where I honor that voice and recognize it, oh man, thank goodness. But when I recognize that voice, that, that I make a decision, Lord, I want to surrender this area to you. But I will tell you that in my life, that it's not always an automatic thing for me. That I'm in that place of prayer and I leave that place of prayer fully decided, fully committed that I'm going to do what God wants me to do. But then as life goes on and I get away from that place and I kind of get back involved in, the, in life and in just the routine of life and the relationships and the busyness and the responsibilities, that all of a sudden that commitment begins to kind of lift off of me. It's never all at once. It's kind of, And the next thing you know, it's like, oh man, I, I got to get back to a place of prayer. And I think we, we don't realize this, but often we have to understand this, that surrender is a process, that, that it begins with conviction. It begins with God dealing with this, with him, you know, maybe just on the inside, our, just we have a knowing, our knower knows. Just sometimes maybe in conversations, that God uses somebody. Maybe they don't even know that he's using them. They say things. I've had this happen before, where people say things and I realize this is, they don't realize that that was God speaking to me. But I wish I could tell you that the minute I hear it, that I go and say, I'm never doing that again, and I get up and go, well... That's it, I'm never doing that again. No, that's not always been the case. Sometimes it's, I'm never doing that again, and 15 minutes later, I'm doing it. Now, I know you're more spiritual than that. Y'all pray for me, okay? Don't be like Jesus' friends and fall asleep on me. Pray for me. But there, there are, I mean, just so many times in my life, man, there's just this recognition that it is a work that God does in me, but it doesn't take place absent of prayer, It doesn't take place apart from prayer. As I say, weekly, that Jesus came not so that we could have a religion, not so humanity could have another religion. He came so that we could have a relationship with him and engage in his presence and partake of that and have a relationship with our heavenly father, who is a good father, and to let him deal with us and speak to us and correct us and help us along the way. But in my own life, change has not always been an automatic thing. It's an area that God grows me in. And he changes me in and and I receive his forgiveness and I get back up. and, And I don't say this to give myself permission. Well, you know, he knows I'm not perfect. No, man, it should be a fight. But not a fight that I do alone. And prayer is acknowledging my need for him. It's acknowledging that I that this is a place of surrender in my life and in my world that I surrender to Jesus. And it's an ongoing thing. We look as we look here, we know that Jesus prayed this prayer in this, probably an hour. At least three times he prayed this prayer. Father, is there any way, any other way that this can happen? I remember, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've had those moments. A few years into the church, man, there was a hard decision I had to make. And I just remember praying. I was like, Lord, why don't you just do it? Why don't you, you just, you know, you know this person. You, you love them. You want what's best for them. You speak to them. I don't want to do it. You know, and I, and I thought I could outweigh the Lord. I'll just wait him out. Eventually, you're going to get tired of me not doing it. You're going to do it. I don't know why I thought that didn't work with my wife. You know what I mean? She's like, she's like, oh, no, no, you're doing this, pal. So, I mean, so, but, you know, for over a year, that would be my prayer. He would, be, you know, I would, he would begin to deal with me, and I would begin to talk to him, and it was really, I wanted to do the right thing about, you know, as a conversation I knew was going to be difficult, it had, would have the potential to really hurt this person. I'm like, God, I don't want to hurt him. They're my friend. And it wasn't like the Lord wanted to hurt me. He wasn't mad at him. And you know, sometimes there are conversations that they're painful on the front end, but they bring a lot of joy when we recognize the fulfillment of why that conversation had to take place. But we don't always see that immediately, right? The Bible says this faithful are the wounds of a friend. When somebody genuinely cares for you and they have those hard conversations for you, that those wounds, because they still create wounds, they're faithful. I just remember I'd spend evenings, I'd be in my house and just kind of walk back and forth and pray and, oh, okay, Lord, you know, I, I don't know why you don't do it. I mean, they'll take it from you so much better. You just have this conversation and, okay, God, I'll do it. And then I get away from that place of prayer and get busy. And a few weeks and a month later, I'm back in the same place. I still haven't had the conversation. And I remember one night I was praying and, and I was asking the Lord, why don't you just do this? And, I, and he didn't speak to me in an audible voice, but I had a God thought. It was just a thought that came to me. I knew it was the Lord. He said this. He goes. I said, "Why don't you do this?" He goes, "That's why I put you there. My way of doing it is to entrusting you with this, so that you'll do it." Oh. And eventually, had, you know, had, had the conversation and, and that type of thing. And as time went on, you, you see the hand of God in it. I, I remember when we were getting ready to start the remodeling, and we were going to have to do a capital campaign. And I'll just be real transparent with you. I hate asking for money. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong for guys that don't hate. I, I just do. I mean, I realize this, that, you know, sometimes people have a mindset that, you know, all the church wants is your money and that kind of thing. And I will just say this, that if, if you're not a Jesus follower, then I want you, there's no expectation of you in this area. Now, I do think as Christians that we have an obligation towards the work of God. But, but I want to let, you know, you and the Lord, you guys deal with that. But I remember we were going to have to ask, and, and I also know this, is sometimes people have worked on people for years to get them to come to church. they prayed when they've had encounters, and you know, they've even made bets. You know, hey, if the Packers win today, then we're going to church together next Sunday. What's well, the no way the Packers are going to win? I'll take that bet. Okay, and then next Sunday they show up in their Packer gear, you know what I mean? So, and so, and, 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 but one of the reasons why sometimes people haven't come is they've said, you know, all the church wants is my money. And then lo and behold, for years, this person works on a person, and that Sunday, they show up, guess what we're talking about? Haven't talked about it for years, and that day, we're talking about it. And I remember that you know, we were getting ready to have that, and man, I really struggled, and I talked with a friend of mine. He gave me such great counsel. He said, basically, he said, I, I know that you feel really uncomfortable doing this. And I said, yes, I don't want to. And he said, well, he said, the Lord sometimes is going to, as a leader, he's going to stretch you and make you uncomfortable. And in making you uncomfortable, he's going to make his people uncomfortable so that all of you in your discomfort, he can grow you where together you bring about the thing that he wants to bring about. And I mean, so out of obedience, this difficult place, we all did that. And we have, you know, the first phase of what we see done today. And we've grown as a church, we had over 700 decisions last year people regarding either giving their life to Jesus or rededicating their life, or just assuring their decision. But that was birth in a place of discomfort. Well, it, you know, I wish I could tell you that I was the kind of guy where he dealt with me once and I said, "Okay, I'll do it." And I, but it it was weeks of prayer, months. Because surrender is a process. It's not an automatic thing. And and there's things that you may be dealing with right now. And and the answer you can't give is no. To to get to the place, but the the answer, maybe the prayer you pray is, God, I want to do what you want me to do. Not what my flesh wants to not what's easy and what's most comfortable, most familiar. But God, I need your help. And you don't give up on that. And he helps you. And you keep moving, and he takes you to the place that he has for you. But it's this surrender, this, this ongoing thing of getting back up, leaning back in, kneeling back down in his presence, and surrendering, and meaning it in reality, and knowing that. So number two is surrender is a process. So Jesus said that. He said, this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time. Everybody say third time. Third time. Saying the same things again. is there another way. Can we, can we do this without this cup of suffering? He said the same thing Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And in this picture, as we see this prayer, not only was it an ongoing thing, we come to the realization that we see this right here, that there's sometimes that cup that's in front of us, that we're required to drink to get where God wants us to be. Sometimes he doesn't empty it. We have to drink it. But Jesus shows us right here that anytime he doesn't empty the cup, that what he does instead is he fills us with his presence so that as we drink this cup, we stay steady. We stay standing. We stay connected to Jesus' presence as we go through it and as we get to the place that God has called us to be, that sometimes there's no way around it but this way. Sometimes there's no way through it but this way. I share this at grave sites sometimes in Psalm 23, a psalm that we're very familiar with. David wrote this. He was a shepherd before he became king. And he starts out with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How many of you have heard that psalms before? And then you've heard the part, talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I think it's interesting. He didn't say that he got to go around it. He say, oh, hey, man, I got to skip going through this hard place. No, he said, even when I'm walking through it, I won't be afraid. I won't fear any evil. And this is why he said, because you're with me. Because you're with me. And so we understand this, man. We look at this prayer and realize that even Jesus, anguished and distressed while he's praying, while the cup that's been set in front of him to recognize the Father's will to know that there's no way around this but by taking this cup and drinking from it, that the only way to get there is by this. We put people around him that he was hoping would pray with him and he didn't go through it in a prayerless way. That in that moment, there was acknowledgement, I can't do this without you, Father. I can't go through this place without you. I I can't endure this without you. I, I can't take one more day of this. What do you mean you want me to stay in that job where I just hate? Oh, you mean there's something you want me to do there that's bigger than how uncomfortable this feels for me? What do you mean you want me to forgive them? Did you not see what they did? Yes, it was wrong. That's why you have to forgive them. If it wasn't wrong, you wouldn't need to forgive them. What do you mean you want me to do that? Yes, because your unforgiveness is causing bitterness to form in your heart, and it's going to poison you. It'll impact the way you see everything. The way you see every relationship. You'll never trust people again. So you have to forgive them. What do you mean I have, to, I have to in this loss that I don't understand uh, that at some point I have to quit being angry at you and, I, and at some point I, I just have to ask you to heal that missing place in me? And so here the father was asking Jesus to do something very difficult, very hard, something he didn't want to do and to realize, Jesus realized, Father, I can't do it without you. And so he, even in this place, of having to be obedient was going to be tough. You know, I say this regularly, but you know, it's for me, I say it for me, and I, I hope it encourages you that the scripture doesn't say, as for God, his way is easy. As for God, his way is painless. As for God, there's never any sacrifice in his way. It doesn't say any of those things. This is what it says. As for God, his way is what? Perfect. Even if it's painful, it's perfect even if it's challenging or unfamiliar it's perfect and so we see this right here that in that hard place that to follow God's plan requires me to do things God's way not the easy way God's way I tell you sometimes I don't want to do it his way I want that relationship to go just like it is me doing all the things I want to do And yet at times he's like, you'll never experience what I have for you the way that I want it unless unless you begin to follow me in this. Because his way is perfect. I realize in this room today, you know, some of you, man, life is about seasons. You could be in a good season of life. I feel like I'm in a pretty good season of life. But I know sometimes in a season, sometimes some seasons are hard. And I know that not everybody in here is in an easy season. Some of you are in a really difficult season and God's challenging you on the inside to do some things. Let me just, I just want to encourage you in a few things. Number one is, is that you can't do this without him. And prayer is your recognition of that. Father, I need you. And it's okay to ask him, is there another way? You say, well, what do I do if he says, no, this is the only way? Surrender. Consecrate. Yield. So I, I want us to do this. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute. And If you're in a good season of life, you do a couple things. One is just take this moment to be grateful, to be thankful. And then if you know of somebody that's in a very difficult season, you begin to pray for them. Watch and pray with them. But for those of you that are in a difficult season, you just begin to pray and begin to ask the Father, you know, what is it you want me to do? And, and I'll do what that is. I'll do what that is. Not what I want. Not what will teach them. Not what will show them. Not what makes it. I'm going to do what you want me to do, Father. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Let's just spend a moment with God.